Alchemist in Making would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people as the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast is being created and produced. We'd also like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all First Nations people who may be listening in in on our conversations today. As we are gathered here today to listen and share, we hope this inspires people to dedicate a time to listen to our First Nations people's stories, for it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hi everybody, before we begin, just giving you a heads up that we've got a bit of a background noise towards the end of the episode. Having said, hope you enjoy our conversation and hope this gives you some comforting advice. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Alchemist Podcast Season 4, Hero Phenomena. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, an architecture graduate and a writer who is interested in architecture's intersection with anything and everything. So Alchemist Podcast, which is an extension of my blog, Alchemist in Making, this season I am focusing on revisiting some of the turning points or paradigm shifts that I've encountered during my uni, hence the title Hero Phenomena. And joining me today, I've got my colleague and a good friend of mine, Steve Tran, on the podcast. And this is going to be a part two of a series which I did in conjunction with Elliot before, in which he transitioned out of architecture. In this case, we're doing transitioning into architecture. But before that, I am going to get Steve to introduce himself. So take it away. Hey everyone, I'm Steve. As Kim said, I'm her colleague and good friend. I'm a Kiwi-born architecture graduate based in Melbourne. I'm graduating with my master's at the University of Melbourne. But before that, studied two completely different things. I did a diploma of visual arts at Vicuni, had a little painting phase, and then did a Bachelor's of Landscape Architecture at RMIT. There's a lot of things I will definitely get to talk to you about. I think I would steal a bit of the format that I did in season three of This Is What You Wanted, but I just wanted to ask how did the visual, the journey into visual arts begin and also the transitioning and what made you decide to transition into landscape architecture, really? Yeah, so I think for me growing up in New Zealand, I was definitely like an art kid totally obsessed with everything to do with like anime. I think anime was actually something that fueled my interest into like just drawing initially. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards like painting in high school. So that was something that I was just doing like nonstop. And yeah, I definitely felt like quite confident in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of through that drawing avenue, there was a class in high school that was like had to do with plans, sections, elevations, and just like drawing these kind of like technical drawings, all hand done. And I was like obsessed with that too. Mm. And I think that's kind of slowly like kind of got me into an interest in architecture and like just like producing like nice architectural drawings. So after high school, I moved to Melbourne and tragically, I actually didn't get accepted into architecture. I put all my eggs into RMIT and didn't actually think to apply for any other universities. But I think I kind of had this like very blasé um, knowledge of what architecture truly was though like I think I actually had it kind of misunderstood for like building design mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily matter because um yeah. you know not getting accepted into it was probably one of the I would say like the best things that happened because I think that visual arts degree was actually such a um, really good turning point for me to just realize like I need to just have fun with this instead of taking it 
so I guess seriously I think I like took life super seriously at the time and I was like oh I need to get this architecture degree <laughs> bachelor's master's work for like two years and then register or something <laughs> like that and then like I said like I still thought it was like building design which is just like ridiculous mm. so I might quickly interrupt you there with regards yeah. to the whole visual art situation. First of all, I completely understand about you putting your eggs in one basket for RMIT because I did exactly that with Monash, to be honest, with the other unis being my complete afterthought. And yeah, and I think it's quite interesting how a lot of us, actually now that I think about it, a lot of the people who have interviewed, evidently not many of us go into architecture knew what architecture was and then the fact that you brought up about how you were introduced to drawing plans uh sections i'm just going to use these orthogonal drawing terms because i don't really mm-hmm. know what it was yeah, like uh perspectives even and i'm sure some of these terminologies would have been picked up in visual arts so i'd like to believe that during your time in visual arts you were somehow fostering an interest still in architecture like did it oh yeah definitely get entailed yeah yeah i i think you're right yes Mm. that did kind of happen i think um i remember there were like certain exercises that you know like that kind of asked us to interpret things in certain ways like i remember there was a assignment focused on like cubism Mm. and stuff like that and i i like used that as a way to almost create an image of a um i think it was like a a pot or something like that and i like Mm did this section plan axo thing all mesh together or something like that and I was like trying my best to have this Steve Tran architectural touch <laughs> like <laughs> all the all the kind of art assignments yeah um but I would say that that, that only happened like a handful of times mm. I think that was mainly like the drawing classes but ultimately I think what I really liked this subject for was the painting aspect because I, I think I just had the right teacher at the right time who just taught me a certain way of painting that just unlocked my, like, reignited my, I guess, love for painting. Mm. And then it just kind of went from there. Mm. How do I put it? It feels very Zaha Hadid. I don't know if you heard about her story, but she, I think she was at that point looking for work and because she wasn't getting any leads, what she did was she created the sweep of drawings. I think one of the more famous ones was to do with the Hong Kong Jockey Club. It was very similar to that language. And it also was very cubism, in my mm-hmm. opinion, at least, because there was a lot of these skewed geometries. And then she invited all these well-known architects that night for her gallery opening. And essentially, while they look like paintings, they were actually all architectural drawings. Yeah. In really mesh form. So my first impression was like, wow, that's really her day. I used to do something like that. And it's really cool. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even know if I knew who Zaha was at the time. I probably didn't. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. You're not the only one. I remember I was really surprised when my dad was like saying, oh, if you're going to architecture, surely you have to know names such as like Fasta, Hadid, Iron Pear. looked at him thinking you're not interested in art so wait how did you get interested yeah, like how yeah. do you know these names <laughs> uh, eventually i kind of one-upped him of course when you study architecture <laughs> of course of course <laughs> yeah speaking of painting then so okay can i just ask out of curiosity yeah. what were your main subjects for painting and then would that have then kind of fueled your interest into going into landscape and also the ultimate question was while you were, while you're a tutor who reignited your love for painting, 
was there any point where you was going to be like I'm okay with this and I'm going to do my best and work really hard to become really well known <laughs> as a painter yeah to answer your letter question I don't think I went in with the intention of like wanting to be mm. a full-time artist like I don't as much as I loved it and it like reignited my love for painting I think I can't live the starving artist lifestyle (laughs) I just can't do it I just can't do it like I I love I love art and I always will Hmm. but it might always just be second to to architecture or just like and design but Mm -hmm. I think it's shaped the way I I am today or just like the person I am like not even just work Mm -hmm. um sorry what was your first question again and then the first question was what type of items did you paint because I would like to think that something there in the lines of painting so landscape for instance because you did end up going to to RMIT to study landscape architecture yes okay yep yeah there were okay so the course had like a range of uh drawing painting printmaking life drawing just a bunch of like theory classes art history even like digital media Mm -hmm. and yes the painting teacher who kind of reignited my love for painting did do like a lot of landscape stuff like mm. but it was more just like Australian landscape kind mm. of like painting the, the suburbia and the, and the bush and all that stuff um I don't know if it had a like a direct link to landscape architecture or maybe it did subconsciously mm-hmm. but I I think I only ended up in landscape architecture because it was something that I also researched during my time mm. from not being accepted into architecture at MIT so like, mm. they offer an architecture and landscape architecture course. And I was just reading up about it, and it just seemed interesting. So I decided to apply for it as well. Mm-hmm. And then when I had the interview for it, it was like a workshop. And I just really liked it. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to try this. Mm. Are you able to share with me about the whole workshop situation? Because a bit of a side note, I, I don't think I've told this publicly but when I was looking into fashion as well, the other thing I was looking into was landscape architecture and RMIT. And this was way before I became like a plant enthusiast and a garden enthusiast. And my mom said, you don't really like being outdoors. Maybe think about architecture instead. Kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a step back in time. Yeah. Um, I actually think it had like nothing to do with plants, but more of like an outdoor kind of experience. I think they just like gave us a bunch of scrap paper Mm -hmm. and they sat us in a table for two for two hours and we would sit with someone else who was also applying for the doing this workshop Mm -hmm. so like another student I'm pretty sure the student I was sitting next to was like at schoolies like flew down for like just this one thing (laughs) and then does like flying back or whatever and I think I ended up making this poster for like a um I think it was like bringing. This is so corny. I'm actually cringing. No, no, <laughs> that's, that's okay. Dating. I'll tell you. But hey, I'll tell you I got accepted. Later. <laughs> yeah. But I got accepted, so ultimately it worked. I think I was like, kind of homesick, and I like made this like, Aww. New Zealand, cultural experience in Australia. And now that I say it out loud, it just sounds like, Chinatown, but New Zealand, <laughs> like a New Zealand town or something. <laughs> 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 I don't know what what happened there, but um, ultimately it worked out. And I think, um, I think it was just like having that exercise was just like a really kind of cool way to kind of put me on the spot and just have me do an exercise where I did not know what I was going into. Because I think if we do like typical architecture assignments these days, like mm-hmm. we mull on it uh, an entire semester before we actually like 
have a final kind of output and it's just like to do something on the spot it's just like mm-hmm. super super fun so for our application monash back then i basically we had to do this a3 exercise and it was a blank space and we had to write make a proposal of a change to our city in melbourne uh for me i proposed like underground basements could be used as a sleeping shelter and uh, from there they will look at your poster and if you get accepted then they will give you an interview now that i think about it i'm like oh, i'm not sure if it will work but hey at least it got me through that yeah. but that sounds really cute though <laughs> having a bit of homesick i think it's good to admit that because ultimately i'd like i'd like to believe that even though we are designing for others in landscape and architecture as well because i think what sold me about landscape architecture back then before i went into architecture was that somebody who presented during open day made a really poetic line and say you can sculpt the landscape and curate how people walk around etc etc and i just fell in love with that sentence because i've heard Mm -hmm. the word curation and i really liked that Uh, yeah it was really good and funnily enough my first tutor in architecture was actually a landscape architect and so it was very interesting to learn architecture from a landscape architect oh totally and i think for me as well there was actually a studio i did in third year Mm -hmm. where they kind of brought together like landscape architecture industrial design and interiors whoa yeah it was insane and that was like and that also had it comprised of like one full-time landscape architecture tutor but mm-hmm. two part-time architecture tutors who would just um, show up for one out of two classes per week yeah. and that was kind of that moment where I was like oh wow this is super fun mm. and like working with all these different kind of people and just just meeting different people as well it was like mind-blowing mm-hmm. and that's where I was kind of thinking like oh wait do I want to do architecture now <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh now that you say that out of those four disciplines as well, mm-hmm. I remember um, taking up an interior design elective right afterwards because I was like, oh, maybe I should do yeah. this instead. Yeah. yeah I think, um, yeah, my, my mind just flutters everywhere. So, like, I never went into my landscape architecture degree thinking, like, this is what I'm going to be doing for life. Did you mainly see it as an opportunity potentially to go into architecture? Because assuming that you think you took landscape architecture because it was potentially more straightforward pathway into architecture or did you think that this seems more up the alley that's why you did it first and you didn't go for architecture at the time it seemed more up my alley okay and i I think it honestly it it even just falls down to that that Mm -hmm. workshop that i told you i did like i just really enjoyed it yeah and i was just kind of like i think it was just honestly like feeling based as I was saying, like, I think even to a degree, like, then, mm. I still had that building design mentality of what architecture would be because I hadn't actually stepped foot in it, mm. even after all those years. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, that probably just plays, falls down to me just being a bit blasé about the whole situation. But Yeah. Actually, then, I might just quickly ask, you talked about a bit about building design. May I ask where did that come from? Because it's actually very rare for me to hear about the term building design for somebody who is interested in architecture apart from those who have studied it or potentially was studying architecture in the case of Elliot and then was introduced into building design then. So how did that come about? I I think it just comes from me looking at architecture like from face value Mm. and 
just assuming like you know a cool building just it comprises <laughs> of these plans sections elevations and details and stuff like that and i thought that that's the kind of things that architects do which we do mm-hmm. but i'd never once thought about like the kind of human experience or anything like that mm. maybe it even just comes down to just growing up in a small town in new zealand where that stuff doesn't really exist i think like the biggest building we had at the time at least was like eight stories that's still pretty big yeah i guess it's still pretty big but um, <laughs> it's not not in melbourne scale where, where no, i've been no, no, where no. i've been since 18 that also another thing is like they don't teach architecture at the university of otago um mm. they only taught something similar to building design which was basically oh. like a tafe course equivalent to a tafe i think it comes down to how much exposure you have to different mediums and different varieties again mm-hmm. as well but i'd like to attribute that you know how you said at the start that you took yourself really really seriously which i am finding a little bit hard to believe because just the personality i met you at when we started work it's very different i think that after your semi epiphany when you were in visual arts that your transitioning through landscape and then eventually to architecture has made it easier and nicer Again, going back to some of the dialogues that I've had back when I was young, to leave a course, even to transition to a course, isn't something that is looked upon among many of us when we're young because there's that pressure and expectation that you pick something and then you run with it for a really long time. Which I honestly hate. (laughs) I know, right? As you can tell. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice that it helps shaping who you are, whereas unfortunately it took me like, what, five years, even like seven years for me to just be a bit nicer to myself as well. So then when you were studying, did you ever have moments where you were like, is this right for me? Like, should I transition or like, should I do a master's in something completely different? Did you ever... It's very different to whether I thought about quitting. Um, no, probably because I have no idea what I was doing. I just kind of stuck with it and I thought, well, I can't really see myself doing anything else because this seems pretty good. And I just treated it as if I was just doing fine arts in high school, really, because everything felt like, yeah, this is what I generally did in high school. I really enjoyed learning things uh, apart from times where I stuff up and having to learn to take criticism on board but Mm -hmm. it was just being able to learn to gradually enjoy it and I think it was because I got along with my cohort really well that it made the experience even better it's funny with the thing you say about cohort I think that plays such a big role it does and that's the thing it kind of falls down to this like just the university experience like our degrees are important and you know learning is important but I think like equally important is the people that you meet along the way And I think that's what kind of kept me in landscape as opposed to at any time, like feeling like I should just like jump straight into architecture. Mm -hmm. Something that I didn't mention though, is that I kind of went into that visual arts degree, not fully wanting to do it at the start. Because as I said, it just falls down to like that rejection that I got from RMIT initially. Yeah. And I actually had the, I basically kind of didn't want to work, take a year out and work full time. Mm-hmm. So I actually had the intention of applying after one year mm. and then I'll just scrap that visual arts degree altogether. <laughs> but then like I met really cool people, the tutors were amazing. And then I just, yeah, as I said, I like loved painting again. And mm. I was just like, actually, nah, that's only two years. I'm going to stick it out. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. 
So apart from the cohort, I still stand by the comment of how that person teaches you, how a tutor teaches you, as well as the conversations you exchange with your tutor plays a huge impact on your learning experience as well. And now that you've mentioned about the two architects who came in during the third year of your landscape course, were they the main catalyst or turning point for your decision to be like, that's it, I'm going to go into architecture or were you still on the, the bridge, like kind of deciding in undecided of whether you want to stick with becoming a qualified landscape architect? Um, no, I was still going to go through that landscape architecture route. I think at the time I was kind of like almost afraid to jump ship, ironically, even though I went from like visual arts to landscape. I was yeah. just like, actually, nah, I'm, I'm kind of in it now. I should probably just stay here. <laughs> but I, I just knew I, I don't know, it stuck in the back of my mind and I liked it. And then I took a year out and I worked in landscape architecture for about, I want to say like six months to a year. That's impressive. Yeah. So it's just like as a student and it was, it was funny, the practice I worked for, worked on uh, cemetery design, <laughs> design, ce- design cemeteries and like, would like lay out plots, <laughs> but like, you know, you can fit, you know, yeah. 2000 bodies here Damn. <laughs> and stuff. It was fun. It was interesting. And, mm. but I, I remember like also like they had an architect on board as well mm-hmm. and they were designing like the, I don't know, like a church or or like just oh, like little communal, yeah, mausoleums and and like communal areas and you know cafes and stuff like that. And I was Very like, important. Yep. Yeah, and I, and I always found that equally as interesting, if not more, like the architectural designs and the and their proposals. And mm-hmm. I'll just look at that stuff and think like, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the opposite of what I do now. Like, um, mm. at the moment where I work on schools, you know, they have really interesting landscape proposals too. But mm. at the end of the day, I think I still prefer the architectural side of things. And when I was looking at those drawings in my year out, I was like, I probably took that year out with the intention of doing my master's in landscape. Mm. But then I just thought, hmm, maybe I can try my master's in architecture. Mm. And then that's what led me to Melbourne Uni because they offered a master's degree in which they would accept a bachelor's of landscape that it would include like a one year, like foundation year. So basically I did a three year master's, not a two. Yeah, Monash offers something like that now, actually. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, RMIT didn't do that. So, again, mm-hmm. my eggs were still in RMIT basket. <laughs> and I was like, I have to do it. If I'm going to do architecture, I have to do it at RMIT. I don't know why I liked RMIT so much. It's so weird. Oh, no, I mean, RMIT is known for their design place. Like, okay, as an Asian, unfortunately, and coming from Hong Kong, obviously people would be like, oh, yeah, you went to Melbourne Uni, of course, because... All they knew was Melbourne, and so it <laughs> yeah. made sense to attach university after Melbourne. And so yeah. this assumption, it's either Melbourne Uni or Monash. And other unis, in their eyes, were like, no. But I have to keep telling people, no, 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 no. In a world of design, it's always RMIT, because that's where we knew most of our well-known, in quotes, star architects from in Australia. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it makes sense for you to be like, I have to go to RMIT. I think when it comes to push this shove, understandably that's when you have to change universities but yeah i i i loved i'm so glad that it worked out that way though because mm-hmm. like i was saying that so that three-year foundation course mm-hmm. well sorry it has a one-year foundation and then you kind of jump into the regular two-year masters mm-hmm. but that one year was so good because it basically comprised of everybody like like me so like <laughs> it was an even like greater diversity of backgrounds like there was somebody who did law 
somebody did graphic design and like just even like you know say if, if i pick this law student like they're going into a masters of architecture and like suddenly they're learning all the programs for the first time mm. and, and i just kind of think like wow i at least had an advantage of learning all that stuff at yeah and my bachelor's like i still used like rhino and cad and all that stuff yeah but yeah, it was just so cool to meet a diversity of people and realize that they're not limited because they don't know, they don't have the, the knowledge in, in the bachelor's degree. Like mm. they're all very, um, they're all very capable. Could you expand on what your experience in foundation was like? Yeah. So it kind of like fell back to this architecture 101 kind of thing. So like we had like modern architecture theory class, um, we went somewhere I can't remember. There's like a campus very far. Uh, there's a Melbourne Uni campus very far away, and we like went out there and built a shed, <laughs> and then we like documented the shed, and like created <gasps> architectural drawings of it. It was so fun. So was, good. Yeah, yeah. That was actually such a great bonding experience as well. So like, luckily, like I fell into the I think the first semester where we mm-hmm. got to like be with everyone, and we basically had like the same class, like the same cohort for an entire year, which is like n- doesn't happen in a typical master's degree because you just jump from studio to studio or or elective to different elective and stuff like that mm. what else did we do we did just like a um like a foundation like architectural documentation class mm-hmm. it was like really just a crash course to wrap people's head around like documentation design there were still like typical studios as well but they were kept kind of small like residential studios and stuff like that to add to that i wonder if that was crucial in breaking the expectations of what architecture is because again going back to when we all first go into architecture i think the assumption is that all we think about are buildings and it's coming up with buildings when in reality there are a lot of layers to that in architecture Mm -hmm. so even the word criticism which i think in other professions and even in our general conversation it can be quite how do i say it it can be quite frustrating like to be criticized right it doesn't sound really nice but i think for you guys to get used to the idea of what critique is it really is to open a dialogue for discussion oh yeah definitely and i think even just as i mentioned like with that kind of cohort size as well it was good to kind of have those conversations in a studio where you don't feel like super intimidated just by like people who have I guess had that experience or maybe even taken a year out as well yeah going into it so yeah it definitely just felt like a really good family for that period of time before like doing the real deal which would have been like my second year which was like equivalent to your first year basically I guess so then I just want to know uh in comparison to like you know my first year and then your second year um, obviously you had to learn a lot of things from scratch with the foundation. Did you find that some of the things you learned in the landscape and quite transferable or were there anything that also had to make you reframe your expectation of what architecture is? Uh, no, I think it was actually quite smooth transition. Mm-hmm. Like I still carried that kind of like same, I guess, design approach and like Mm. methods that I took from my landscape degree Mm -hmm. I think it was just like then just applying it to buildings and my kind of attempt at making a a nice space I guess and like that probably would have just been something that I struggled with because I never really like had a proper hand at designing uh just like looking back at like my old studio work from like second year like some of those designs are so rubbish I mean as you do we we all we all make rubbish designs when we're young 
But yeah, I want to say it took me like till the end of second year for it to click. And I was like, oh, there's no like right or wrong way to do it. But when I was like, oh, this is how you do it. When I like nailed one of my studios, Mm. it just everything, just the wheels turned and I just like understood it. And I was like, oh, I get how we're designing for people now. Like, I think that I still had this like moment of just designing a cool space. Maybe there's like plants growing on the facade or something stupid like that. Or that hey, I just still pretty common. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took me a while to bring my head out of that space. And then like when I started like designing like really good spaces for people, I was like, ah, oh. it all just kind of worked. I envy you for saying where things clicked because I'm still asking myself. I'm sure it clicked for me at some point. It's just that. I just don't know when. I never had that, you know, light bulb where I'm like, that's what architecture is. Or... Uh, I mean, I'm saying that, like, somewhat confidently. I still have, like, imposter syndrome. Even when I'm designing <laughs> cool spaces for people, I'm still like, is this right? But, like, I just think, um, yeah, there was almost this, like, this leveling up I had at the end of second year, yeah, which yeah. just made me feel a lot more at ease. And I was like, okay, this is the right track. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Mm. So tell me about your whole architecture experience, like studying architecture. Are you able to tell me about the highlights and things that you struggled with the most going towards the end? Yeah, I definitely think that there was, as you said, like moments of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and feeling like a lot of what I was doing wasn't good enough. I think it was also just like, maybe it's less about architecture, but just my studying experience in general, like being very slow at kind of like producing work because I'd always just had this urge of like wanting it to be perfect. Oh, <laughs> and it would just lead me to like struggle at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that, that happened in my landscape and my visual arts degree as well. But it's just something that I, that I always struggled with. Um, highlights, uh, definitely like the people and friends that I made along this journey. Like some of my best friends are the ones that I got from that foundation course and just having them around and, you know, knowing that they were from not traditional bachelors of architecture students, having them as like a core friendship group and being able to like talk to them about stuff, show them work. That was definitely like a great experience for me. And it made things a lot easier because you definitely feel like an outsider. Yeah. yeah. wonder if like the imposter syndrome wouldn't be as strong if you started architecture from the very beginning just because I'd like to believe that when you first went into your first year of masters after your foundation you're suddenly thrust into this environment with other students who have potentially a taken a year out and have like you know studied architecture elsewhere oh definitely I think you're spot on with that I remember when I was at doing my bachelor's I was in the computer room with bachelors of architecture students and I remember there was this girl who was like using grasshopper to like design a facade <laughs> and I was like that's the coolest thing ever why can't we do that in landscape that's so sick and then like when I was in my masters I was like trying to learn how to use grasshopper and like I'll admit grasshopper is just not for everyone no it's not and it's not for me but for some reason I, I was just like I need to like make my design work and I need grasshopper for it to help me to help me realize it and I was just struggling yeah, yeah. so hard and I was like in my head, I was always saying, oh, this wouldn't happen if I just did a, a bachelor's degree. And maybe there was a <laughs> class dedicated to showing me how to do this stuff. And I could just never work it out. But then that, that definitely yeah. like made me like, lose a bit of confidence. Because like, oh, everyone around me probably knows how to do this. And it's so simple. But then like, ultimately, I realized it didn't matter. 
it, it feels very like how do I put it bells and whistles kind of aspect mm. of it because it's like grasshopper's new program last night I was having a conversation with my friend and he said that he met this guy who is a technical architect so he works in the IT industry but prior to that he was actually an architect oh, and wow. he said that his whole realization was that he loved architecture because he was constantly learning new programs all these shiny new things wow. and then afterwards he said actually i think i'm gonna grow and learn more about programming and now he's happier than ever and also the sad reality is that he earns more than we yeah. do so like wow right. that's great um, happy for him <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really yeah. happy for him to hear that but the fact that you mentioned about grasshopper made me think about like what he told me last night and it's kind of true in that in a way architecture kind of feels like showing off what you know and discovering new programmings and new skills but a part of me kind of mourns the traditionalist i think it's because like i mean i grew up with the traditional materials of like pencil and paper which i'm sure Mm -hmm. you have and to kind of slowly lose that because we are competing in an era in which technology makes everything really efficient and and so in a way we kind of suffer that room for creativity and not, not saying that, like, if you're working in Frank Gehry's practice and, like, Hadid's practice, they have programs specialized to accommodate their curves yeah. and structures. But for us, I think we can, but it's just that we are partially running against time as well as working with clients' expectations and budgets that it's very hard for us to have that freedom to an extent. Uh, I totally saying. agree. Yeah, it's something that I, <laughs> it's something that I'm scared of because it's kind of there's an interesting irony is that like i only kind mm. of even wanted to delve in this direction because of my beautifully hand-drawn mm. <laughs> yeah. creations and stuff like that but like i mean yeah. i don't have a problem with the digital now but i mm. definitely do kind of miss that there's a fun element to it and we just don't really do it and i guess that's just the reality yeah. yeah but i think that is fine for us to wrestle with that because then it challenges us to work a different way of creativity right like when we start setting limits then we it forces us to think differently absolutely so i'm curious to know that because of your background in painting and landscape i wonder how will that work into your design for architecture so it's been a few years now since you've completed your masters and i was just wondering how has it been like working professionally for yourself honestly um not not too much i think um mm-hmm. I kind of bundled the landscape and the architecture a little, together a little bit because I definitely mm. feel like it's it was more or less the same in terms of process at a, in a practical standpoint. Like even like the landscape stuff I was doing was fully, for the most part, digital um, mm. with just like typical hand sketches just to like resolve a few things quite fairly quickly. Um, mm. But I don't see myself using the anything I've learned from visual arts in architecture it's probably just ingrained in me subconsciously like maybe just how I interpret composition when producing like visualization or something like that I would say that would be about it going back to like the composition of visualization because that was what you start off with when you first came to our practice Mm -hmm. right was to do a lot of visualization okay so something I've been curious about and this is where we had a bit of an awkward pause but basically it was that how has it been working in a professional practice now i don't know when it was like when did you graduate from masters of architecture Mm -hmm. i graduated at the end of 
2020. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I think that's about right. Did you not know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn. That's hard. Because <laughs> that's what... Oh, like lockdown. lockdown. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't work for a... I want to say I couldn't find work for about three months or something. At the end of the day, it wasn't too bad. But the company I ended up in was maybe doing architecture that I didn't really like. But it's been a good experience overall, I think. I think kind of like what you were saying about your friend's friend or something that kind of ultimately learned about programs and stuff. I think like that was my hardest hurdle at the start, like just learning like about BIM and technical standards and stuff. Like that's been Mm. super challenging, but also super rewarding. Like I, I really enjoy that stuff. But ultimately I think this was kind of what I expected. And that probably just comes from like I was saying about um, when I was working in cemetery design and like Mm. we would have the architectural drawing packages as well. So I would just look through all Mm. that stuff and just the kind of work that I was doing in landscape. Ultimately, the landscape stuff was a bit more like free flowing Mm. and the work was a bit easier. But I think Mm. for me, that's why it like came out as less rewarding. So, you know, architecture is definitely more difficult, but I enjoy the final outcome more. Because... One of the questions I would like to ask, except I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but have there been times where you look back and kind of wanted to pursue landscape more? But it's just, it just sounds like you're very solidified in kind of, it's a nice full circle in a way that you wanted architecture and then you got there in the end, albeit with just a few details along the way. Mm-hmm. But I've already asked you about visual arts, which you've given us an answer already. Mm-hmm. But for landscape, has there been a time where you like kind of miss elements of that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But I think that would probably just fall down to me later. I would hope to work in a practice that does both mm. landscape architecture mm. and, and architecture to at least like have a hand, uh, at least in the initial design process or something like that. Because um, where I previously worked at, as a student, which was hassle, you know, we had landscape, interior, urban design, and landscape architecture. And if anything, mm. that was really enjoyable because it kind of reminded me of that class that I told you about that I took with like yeah, multiple yeah. disciplines. And even then, like I worked in the interiors team and the landscape team. That was quite fun. So yeah, I, yeah. I would, I guess I would just kind of hope to do something like that or similar to that in the future. But for now, I'm pretty mm. content on just like learning about the or like mastering the kind of architectural side and gaining a bit more yeah that's nice more knowledge in that. i think from what i've gathered it really does speak to how important collaboration is i think what is at least from my limited experience for now because honestly this is still my very first professional job in australia and i would like it's just sad that in some circumstances some people are hired in as an afterthought when in reality we really need everybody together Mm -hmm. because again that brings strength in numbers and also strength to the design and advocating for good design as well having said i understand some people argue that you do need to uh how do i put this you do need to have specification and expertise in certain areas but i don't i still don't think there is any harm in being well-rounded after all if i were to go back to the etymology of architect it is it's like the master builder as in knowing quite a lot and i think we kind of need to bring that as essence back in that it is a whole collaborative process yeah i do think of like it would be nice for us to you know wear multiple hats sometimes I guess what I'm trying to say is like I don't want to um, 
I don't want to be an architect who's just an architect. At the end of the day, like we do so much, even in our degrees, like we're not often doing like just the building component in our studios. Mm. We're doing so mm. much more and it would be nice if our work, like in a, on a more practical standpoint could be like that too. But may, may, maybe that comes, with, it, <laughs> it just comes with time. I think me and you are probably just at a point where we're just um, a bit younger and then, you know, it's something that mm. we can do later down the track. We'll see unless we hit like, I don't know, quarter life crisis or like midlife crisis. Yeah. Who knows? Let's just hope we don't have those <laughs> no. anymore. I'd like to think I've already had a few. Oh, me too. No, like, don't you worry, oh. me too. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of done with those. <laughs> okay, so similar to how Elliot and I wrapped up the conversation and all. For those who are listening, who are kind of at crossroads between landscape and architecture, what would you recommend in terms of for those people who are at crossroads? Like, do you think this, what type of personality or what type of mindset for suitable for landscape? And then what type of mindset or personality do you think is suitable for architecture, for instance? Right. So you're telling me to like define two different people, like a landscape person kind and an of, architecture person? Kind of. I don't know what's the best yeah. way to word it. So sorry for no, those no. who are listening. Oh, right. Um, uh, I don't know. That's really, that's a really difficult question to answer because I again I, I do kind of see it as just like I kind of bundled them together Fair enough. and I, I think I was just kind of going with feeling about like what I was enjoying at the time I do think architecture is just way more technical and landscape was a bit more like free-flowing but I don't know if mm. that's just me saying that because I did my bachelor's in landscape and then the work that I was doing was targeted towards a junior student kind of thing mm. And I think, actually, now that I think about it, it's also potentially you were semi-focusing on potentially going to architecture. It wasn't obvious, but I have a feeling like subconsciously you still wanted to go into architecture as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, so I wouldn't know how to, I guess, categorize those two people, but I would say that <laughs> at least it's good to take time to reflect on what you want to get out of your degree. Because at the end of the day, like, mm. I think, I mean, I'm pretty happy with architecture, but if I was to stay with landscape, if I am just designing spaces for people, which is really just what mm. I care about, I kind of want to assume I'd be fine mm. in my landscape degree had I chose to stay in that route. <laughs> yeah, I mean, only in an alternate universe, alternate world, yeah. we'll be able yeah. to find out, but this is what we're yeah. stuck with. For if now. anything, I'm more intrigued to know what my life would be like if I was a full-time artist. <laughs> Do you think you would have done anything differently then? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I would be like if I was a full-time artist. I'll definitely be broke. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, though, like I think, um, yeah, I would have probably dropped a lot of that technical stuff because that's what that I, like I told you, I was like into the kind of Mm. drawings that I did in high school. I probably Mm. would have dropped that, I reckon, because even when I was telling you about how I did that whole like cubist thing and all that, that was just like mm. a small drop in like the bigger ocean, which was just like me like painting portraits, doing yeah. still lifes and stuff. And I guess it was like maybe my, my architecture was slowly taking a backseat. So maybe that wouldn't have happened. But now that I've done this architecture degree and I have mm. a bit more confidence in a kind of conceptual side of things, mm. I think if I was to start painting again now, which I totally should, mm. I would probably be a more confident painter which is funny because I've kind of flipped it. Like, I think I look at painting differently now. 
Well, Steve, before we conclude this podcast, anything you'd like to say or like just tell audience who are curious about like who knows transitioning into architecture, do you have any advice? Yeah, I guess it's just for those people who are interested in other things other than architecture. Um, I'd say like just don't suppress it, you know, be mm. proud of it and don't feel like you mm. you have to stay where you are just because of, I don't know, societal pressures or parents or something like that. You never know when your hobby is probably like actually like your life ambition or something like that. So it's always worth to give it a crack or at least think about it. Thank you so much for being on this. (laughs) I honestly didn't know how this conversation was going to go, to be honest, but really glad you expand a lot of things, which is nice. So got to know you. Yeah, this is fun. I loved it. Do you have any social handles you'd like to share or anything? Um... I don't have any socials or anything like that. Yeah, you and Elliot are quite similar in that aspect. In terms of social media, I'm a bit shy. I don't really, I don't really have much to share. (laughs) But I'll, I'll share my, I'll share my paintings with you and stuff if you want for your. Yes, that would be lovely. I think they should be seen. All right, cool. On my end, as always, it is Archimist Podcast. Uh, Please subscribe if you haven't already, and follow us on Instagram, which is Archimist in the Making, all in one word. And as always, please share with everybody so we can reach other aspects and other avenues which is always nice and as always please stay safe take care and we'll catch you later for another episode bye bye